we get up and we push. We get up and we climb and we hit the button and we tell you to do this and tell you to do that. But the Lord began to minister to me and he said, in this season, I'm sitting in a boat. I want to take you back to that scripture on that we minister to in, in, in Mark, in Mark chapter number four. Mark chapter number four, verse 35. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. It is our strength and our redeemer in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. God bless you. Blessing of the Lord to our ministry of worship. Thank you. Learning how to navigate through a storm while Jesus is sitting in the boat. As I was standing here, you, know, you guys know I love to walk around and use my hands. He says, I want you to sit and teach this lesson on the day and going back and forth. Okay, I like, think about the text that you're in. Jesus is sitting, sleeping, resting, Edgar, Vita, when in a boat while everybody else is up going through navigating a storm navigating this storm that has come to interrupt that has come to man frighten cause others to be afraid I, I like what it says here I, I just want to read those verses here in, in the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. We're in the New Testament. For those who are unfamiliar, you don't have your Bible, I want you to open up your Bible. I want you to open up your Bible, open up your phone. I want you to open it up to the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, second book in the New Testament. Chapter number 4, verses 35 through 41, and it says, On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. Verse number 37, and there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Come on, stay with me. Verses 38 says, verse 38 says, Jesus himself was, was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, teacher. Do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39, And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them in verse 40, Why are you afraid? I want you to underline that or highlight that. Why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? I want you to underline or, or make a note of, of verse number 40. Verse 41, and they became very much afraid 
and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to go back to verse number 35, and I want to build our sermonic text here today. I want to, I want to just drop a, a locator right here at verse 35. On that day when evening came, he, that word he is capitalized because that's Jesus talking. And he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. I want to just talk about today part two, Jesus is my anchor. I want to talk about Four spiritual anchors that we need to get in the boat. Four spiritual anchors that gets us into the boat. We talked about on last week, and I really want to reuse our founding thesis that we set in place. Thank you, Josh, for last week. The storms of life call upon strong anchors to hold us down. Knowing who holds the anchors connected to the storms in our lives will reveal the outcome and victory we will experience in stormy times. I want to say that again. In the storms of life, the storms of life call upon what? Strong anchors to hold us down. Knowing who holds the anchors connected to the storms in our lives will do what? They will reveal the outcomes and the victories we will experience in stormy times. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you reveal your hand of peace and protection today. Father, in Jesus' name, I, I ask that the anchors of your love and grace and favor. Keep us in perfect peace during the storms that are raging and battering the boats in our life. Father, keep us in a place where, 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 where our faith doesn't diminish or waver in any way. Father, let the authority of your words relieve the noise of wind that are clouding our thoughts and choices. Let our time in the word be our strength and fortitude. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. On that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go to the other side. Let us go to the other side. When we look at Mark chapter number 4, verses 35 through 41, we can see that the disciples and Jesus have gotten into the boat to travel to the other side. Last week, we talked about these four life-saving anchors that remind us that Jesus is in the boat. I, I want to just do a reflective moment here. We talked about, number one, the first anchor is that Jesus gets in the boat with you. I want you to always remember that. We, we said that Jesus 
will never, God himself, the Holy Ghost himself, will never lead you to another place that they themselves will never be present. That second anchor is that Jesus went to sleep, but we believe the lesson in the anchor here is that Jesus was teaching us how to rest in stormy moments. On last week, we talked about that third anchor, about how Jesus will speak to the disturbing sound of the wind that is blowing violently in our lives. He speaks to a wind. He causes the wind, not the storm, but he causes the winds to hush. And then I like that last one. The last anchor is that God, the Holy Ghost, Jesus, will always confront our fear and lack of faith. God will never put you in a place where he won't confront your lack of faith or fear. Did you hear that? He'll put you in a place where you have to confront your own fear and lack of faith. God will put you in a place where you have to come face to face with doubt. He'll put you in a moment where you have to look at it and say, I have to deny doubt because there is no doubt. There is no fear. I'm not saying that God is tempting you to doubt, that God is testing you. No, no. The storms of life that are presented to you will cause you to be confronted with the hidden issues of doubt that you've never felt before, with the unexpected moments of fear that can arise in your life. He says, let us go over to the other side. I want to just talk about these four spiritual anchors that we can add to these saving anchors that will help us get in the boat that needs for us to get to the other side. Four spiritual anchors that we need to get into the boat. I want you to hear this. Number one, we have to be available to the request of Jesus. Available. He says to them in verse number one, an evening came, but the key phrase here, he says, let us go to the other side. Let us go to the other side. For us to get to the other side, for us to get into the boat, for us to experience the four life-saving anchors that we talked about on last week, number one, we have to be available to the request of Jesus. Jesus asked the disciples to, to go to the other side with him. He asked them, he says, let us go to the other side. Availing ourselves to the voice of God releases us into a postured position of agreement. In most cases, getting to the other side is rarely a problem or was rarely a problem that we can see in the text for the fishermen. Yet in this case, it was their position of agreement that brought them through the storm. I like what Job 22, 21, and 22 says. It says, yield now and be at peace with him. Thereby good will come to you. Please receive instruction from his mouth and establish his word in your heart. His words. 
Number one, we've got to be available to the request. I've got to avail myself to, to, to the request that Jesus is offering me. There, there's a request. There is a, a command, if we want to say. Uh, uh, he asks. He says, let us go to the other side. He didn't ask them. He tells them. So we have to be available to the command that Jesus is giving us to experience what is going to happen in this boat. Availing ourselves to the voice of God will keep us in a place where we have what? Where we never have to lead ourselves through unexpected storms. Availing ourselves to the voice of God, to the voice of God will keep us in a place where we have to, where we never have to lead ourselves through unexpected storms. I like what it says here in Psalms 119, uh, uh, verses 105. Uh, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Come on now, when we, when we think about that, availing ourselves leads us to a place where we never have to lead ourselves alone, where we never have to get into the boat alone, where we never have to ask ourselves to go to the other side alone. Jesus says, let us go to the other side, and because I'm learning to avail myself to the command that in unexpected moments of my life, I will understand and experience that he will always be, his word will always be a light under my feet and a light unto my path. Look at that. Availing ourselves to the voice of God establishes the order of God in our lives. Come on now, in our lives. Availing ourselves. I like what Psalms 119 and, and verse 30 and verse 133 says. You've heard it. Establish my footsteps in your word and do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. Come on, look at that. The first spiritual anchor that I need to get into the boat, the first spiritual anchor that I need to experience the presence of Jesus being in my boat is that we have to avail ourselves to the command that he's giving us to go to the other side. He didn't tell you to go by yourself. He's not asking you to do it by yourself. He's not wanting you to go by yourself. He says, let us go to the other side. Whether or not he anticipated that you were going to go through a storm, whether or not he knows that something is going to happen, uh, he says, let us go to the other side. Number two, number two, that, 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 that second uh, uh, spiritual anchor that we need to stay in the boat. That second spiritual anchor that is going to be required that when unexpected storms occur in our lives is that we have to be in a position where we're learning to trust in the moment where it seems that Jesus is sleeping while we feel threatened by the strong winds of life. 
Come on now. Uh, we, we, we've we've, we've got to be in that place. We, we've got to learn to trust in the moment where it seems that Jesus is sleeping. Can I kind of correct that? He is sleeping. He's resting. He's sitting. He's laying. He, he's taking a break. He's, he's, whatever he's doing, he's in the boat, but he's resting. Come on now. Uh, let's, let's be specific here to the text. It, it says that when he got into the boat, he found, I'm paraphrasing, that he found a place on a cushion to go to sleep. Can we say here, um, as we're being clear and precise in the text, the text says that he went to sleep. It didn't say that he set up and, and played the video game, got on Facebook, got on Instagram. He went to sleep for a reason. That says when you do the study behind the scenes that he probably was tired. He was probably exhausted from a long, enduring moment of ministry. That's why he said, let us go to the other side because he needed someone to get him to a place where he could rest. But in the moment of him resting, he allows you to experience a storm in the middle of him resting, in the middle of him taking a seat, learning to trust in the moment <laughs> where Jesus is sleeping while we are being threatened by the strong winds of life. Trusting in the Lord requires that we have an established relationship with God. I want you to think about that. When I learn to trust, it requires that I have an established relationship with God. One of my favorite moments in the Bible or favorite passages, and you'll hear me say it so many times, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will, and he will make your path straight. Come on now. I, I'm availing myself to the command, which means that I'm not alone. It means that his word becomes a lamp to my feet. It becomes a light unto my path. It, it means that I'm establishing my order with him, my footsteps, my, my ways are being ordered. But the moment that I learn to trust him while he's sleeping and I'm being threatened with the fear that my boat is going to sink. I'm being threatened with the fear that I'm going to lose everything that I've ever fought for, everything that I've gained in my life. I, I, I'm being threatened that my health is decreasing because of disease and infirmity, and I don't know how long I'm going to live because the doctor has just put me in a boat. Come on now. Uh, Jesus said, let's go over to the other side, and I'm in the boat, and on a sunny day, and after the holiday, I go for the regular checkup, and they say, you've got an issue with your heart. 
and you need bypass surgery. And we don't know if it's going to work out. We don't know if we're going to be able to make it. Jesus is in the boat because you have availed yourself to the command to get in the boat and to go over to the other side. Now trust becomes a factor. I'm learning to trust. Trusting in the Lord requires that we have an established relationship with him. Come on now. Trusting in the Lord requires that we have the right mindset and thought process that releases us, hear this, to have peace in that which we are trusting in. Come on now. Peace in that which, that thing that we are trusting in, that person that we are trusting in. Who's the person? God himself. He says to the disciples, let us go over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. It was the disciples that put him in the boat. Come on now, can I, can I give that to you? Uh, Jesus didn't say get into the boat. He says, let us go over to the other side. He understood the only way I can get over to the other side is somebody has to put me in a boat. Jesus says, let us go over to the other side. Your boat is available. So they invited and they took him with them to the other side. That's what the text says. They took him with them to the other side. Come on now, uh, you're, you're taking Jesus with you through the difficulties of life as you get to the other side, but he's resting, he's sleeping, he's not responding, but the storm and the winds of life are raging. I like what this says here, godly trust breeds the peace of God. When you and I learn how to trust in God, when, when you and I learn how to live and to walk out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. When you don't understand, when you can't see your way out, when it's not responding, when it's not going your way, uh, when you have fallen short of the glory of God, when you have smoked a little weed on the side, when you have checked out the girl in the club and you wanted to get your little thing on, uh, acknowledge. When you forgot to pray, when you don't pray, when your life is full of hell, when sin is raging in your life, ah, oh, come on now, there is no precursor to acknowledging him in all of your ways. Every way of your life. Come on now, think about it. Trusting God means that I can tell him I got a problem. I got a real issue in my life. And if I don't acknowledge you, I'm going to continue to live this way. Come on now. If I don't acknowledge you, I'm going to get out of this boat. If, if, I'm, if I don't acknowledge you, I'm never going to wake you up. Come on now. I, I'm not going to wake you up. I'm going to turn around and go back to where I started. I like what John 14, 27 says. It says, peace I leave with you. 
my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. When I trust God, I don't allow my spirit to become troubled. Come on now, I, I, I'm not troubled to the point where I begin to do an about face on God. I'm not troubled to the point where I begin to give up on God. I, I, I'm not so fearful to the moment that I don't understand and I forget that Jesus is sleeping in the boat. He's sleeping in the boat. Number one, the first spiritual anchor that we need to get to the other side with Jesus in our boat is that we've got to be available to his command. Number two, we've got to learn how to trust. And then number three, very simply here, I like this. Our faith in Jesus determines how we respond to the sound and the force of the wind. Number one, the first spiritual anchor that gets us to the other side, that saves us in the middle of a storm, is that we must be available to respond or available to the request or the command that Jesus has just asked us. Let us go to the other side. There's something in your life that Jesus is asking you to do. I'm in a storm, but have you responded to the first command? Let us go to the other side. Maybe you should be experiencing the storm in a boat while you're standing on shore, while you're sitting at home. While you're sitting at work, maybe you should be in a boat trying to get to the other side in the same storm that everybody else is experiencing on shore and you're wondering why it hasn't stopped. You're wondering why you lost everything. You're wondering why your relationship is broken. You wonder why your faith has completely diminished. You wonder why you stopped going to church because you may be dishonored the first command, let us go to the other side. <laughs> Come on now. Our faith in Jesus determines how we respond to the sound and the force of the wind. Hear this. The spirit of the fear. I, I, I want to say this here. I want to look right here. I want you to go to your Bible. I want you to go to verse 37. It says here, and there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much that the boat was full, already filling up. Verse 38, here we are. Jesus was in the storm asleep, and they awoke him and said, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you see what fear does to you? See, this is why you've got to establish your availability to respond to the command that he asked you to do. Let us go to the other side. You've got to remember that Jesus is with you in the middle of the storm. Number two, you've got to trust that Jesus being with you allows for you to acknowledge all of your ways. 
And because he's with you, you're learning to trust and not do what? And lean to your own understanding. See, see, we speak against their inability to fight through the storm. But here's scripture here. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. They didn't lean to their own understanding. They went back to Jesus and said, do you not care that we're perishing? They didn't, they didn't go back to a place where they begin to operate in their own understanding of let's turn around, let's don't wake them up, and when he wakes up, we'll just be back at the same place where we started. Let, don't bother him. I want to bother him because I want to get in trouble. Uh, uh, don't bother pastor because it's, it's, it's too late. Uh, don't, 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 don't tell your pastor that you're going through. Uh, just, just wait un, until you see what happens. You better holler loud. You better scream as loud as you can. In the moments of a storm, you've got to be able to shout it out, wake up. Can somebody wake me up? Can, can, can Jesus, you're sleeping and I'm about to die. Jesus, I'm in a storm and it's about to turn me over. Why are you sleeping? I'm perishing. Although Jesus rebukes their fear, it brings us to a place that they had enough understanding to call on Jesus. Although Jesus rebukes them and says that they have a lack of faith, I would rather him rebuke me for my lack of faith than him to disregard me because I never called on him. Come on, think about it. Look, look at the text now. I, I, I would rather someone correct me for not having enough faith in what I've been called to do than them to disown me because I never did anything, because I never tried, because I never gave myself a chance to succeed. I turned around and I just quit. I, I, I would rather Jesus rebuke me for waking him up than, than saying to me, you never called on me and I was sitting right there in the boat. You never trusted, although that I would rebuke you and correct you, that I love you enough to always lead you in the right place. Anchor number three, our faith in Jesus determines how we respond the spirit of fear is the sign that our faith has diminished to the point that we can only see ourselves dying in the storm. My faith is gone so much to the point that I don't even see hope. I don't have hope anymore. I, I'm in such despair. I, I'm distressed. I'm discontented. I, I've lost all hope. And the only thing that I can do is just say, help me, Lord, save me, Jesus, from the storm. Lord, just, just help my children. I, I want to write down my last dying words. I, 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 I just ask that you forgive me of all my sin. And, and Lord, just let me get in. Uh, that, that's the only prayer that you have. When fear takes over faith, it diminishes it to a point that we can only see ourselves dying. Isaiah 41 and 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. He says what? I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right 
hand, the spirit of fear comes to diminish your faith to the point that you only see death. That you only see the negative. That you never see anything positive about this storm that you're in. You, you only see the bad side of the storm. Have you ever been around somebody and they've been in a storm, Edgar, and the only thing they talk about is how bad the storm is? Man, I just ain't going to make it, man. I just don't know. You're sitting there like, bruh, the sun is out today. I know that it's raining, but, but you got gas in your car. I, I, I know that you gave your last, but you got breath in your body. You, you got another chance to get to the other side, and Jesus hasn't gotten out of the boat with you. He's still in the boat with you. Come on now, uh, you, 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 you still got a place to stay. It might not be a mansion, uh, but you got heat, you got light, you got gas, you got shoes on your feet. They might not be Prada, but you got food on your table. It, 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 it might not be the food that you want uh, be because you're trying to eat healthy. Uh, come on now, uh, it might be some hummus, it, it might be some brown rice, uh, come on. But it's food. Come on now, you, 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 you might not have the peace that you think that you need, but he says, do not fear for I am with you. Remember the first command that he gave. He said, let us go to the other side. He says, do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I am with you. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The spirit of fear incapacitates our ability to remain agile and flexible in our faith. Remember, our faith should always be active and responsive. Come on, repeat this after me. My faith should always be what? My faith should always be what? Active and responsive, meaning that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith without works is Come on now. Come on, come on, look at it now. The just shall live. Come on now. Faith is what we need. Faith is what we have to have. Being in God requires faith. Come on now. When you lose your faith, you go to the dark side. When you lose your faith in God, you lose your ability to trust in that which you cannot see. In that which you cannot grab hold to in the natural. So that's why our faith has to always be active and what? Come on responsive meaning that faith has to respond to every situation that I'm going through that my faith has to be active enough to respond in what no fear not the spirit of fear 
Come on now. Uh, so I like what I like what I like what it says here in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by what? And hearing by what? Of what? So faith has to be active and responsive in what I hear and where I hear it from. Did y'all hear that? You can't hear the word of God in something that the word of God is not active in. Mm, come on now. Uh, you, you, you can't be reading the magazine every day believing that's where you're going to get your devotional from. You got to open up your Bible and you got to read the word of God. Then go read your little magazine. Then go do your little meditation. and But, but you got to put the word of God as the life-saving anchor that allows your faith to hear. Faith comes by what? Faith does not come by you giving an offering. Faith does not come because you love God. Faith does not come because you're perfect. Faith comes by hearing. My faith becomes Stronger because I'm hearing and, and, and my hearing becomes stronger because of what? The word of God that is being placed on the inside of me. So when I'm in a boat and a storm is raging in my life, I've got to allow my faith. I've got to be able to depend on my faith. I've got to be able to depend on what I'm hearing through the word of God. He says it right there. Do not fear for I am with you. Don't be anxiously looking about yourself for I am your God. Don't look at another God. Don't think about another God. Don't go start praying and, 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 and asking for stuff that you don't need to ask for because I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Just have faith and don't allow fear to incapacitate your flexibility and your ability to remain agile and moving and responding to the storm. Fear, the spirit of fear comes to override our soundness of mind that is needed to function in stormy seasons. Our faith in Jesus determines how we respond to the sound and the force of the wind. It says that they were fearful Jesus spoke to their fear. Come on, look at it. Look at it now. Uh, uh, verse 39, and he got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, hush. We talked about it last week. Jesus has the ability to speak to your wind. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. But here, last two verses, and he said to them, to them, why are you afraid? He asked a question. How is it that you have no faith? Second question, they became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The text doesn't give us a moment to see what their response was to his question. But it ends by saying this, they became very much afraid. They became very much afraid of who? 
Look at what the text, look at the text. The text shifts. There was a moment where they were afraid. <laughs> see, see this, see, so you got to catch this right here. You get look, look at the text. Open up your Bible and look at the text. Look at the text. Come on. Now, come on, let's let's work this thing here. Uh, it says in verse 38, teacher, you do not care that we are perishing. They were afraid in verse 38 of who? Of the wind. By the time they wake up Jesus and Jesus rebukes the wind, it says, and they were very much afraid. <laughs> and they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? <sighs> you got to be careful that the enemy doesn't cause you, doesn't cause you to be so afraid of what you just saw happen in your life that you cannot acknowledge it. That you begin to reason in your mind that even the wind did it. Have you ever experienced the glory of God and somebody questioned your deliverance and said, he took all the alcohol away? He did what? I ain't coming to that church. Uh, bruh, don't invite him to my wedding. Are you saying that you were getting ready to get a divorce? And Jesus came in and put it back together? Oh, don't talk to me. Uh, don't, I, I don't want to. Uh, uh, are you telling me that, that, that you stopped everything that you used to do and you never do it again? And, and nothing, you're telling me that you don't want this, that you don't want to do this? I mean, we were, we were happy doing this, and now you have no taste in your mouth? They became so afraid, the reverence, the honor. Come on now. Uh, when you look at the, oh, come on, come on, come on. Can, can somebody give me my cell phone? I'm ready to show y'all how to study. Give me my cell phone. Uh, but we need, to, we need to look at that word in the Greek. Come on, I, I know we're teaching. I'm going to change this into a classroom. Uh, I want to open up my Bible here uh, so that I can see because you got to understand what that word looks like. Uh, uh, come on, come on, Josh. Give me just a little bit while, while I get there. Come on, come on. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 41. Uh, afraid. I want to look at that word. Um, and, and what does it say? Um, it just says afraid. Afraid. When we break it down, afraid. They, they, they weren't so much afraid that something was going to happen. They were afraid with the fear of reverence. What's going to happen to us? If the sea and the wind will obey his voice, Ooh, then what can happen in my life? If I would just submit myself to being available, to trusting, to walking in faith, if Jesus could hush and bring a calmness 
to the natural wind of creation. See, we got to look at this whole text here. It, it puts God, come on now, because Jesus doesn't do the miracle without his Father having already done it, having seen his Father calm the wind, having seen his Father bring peace to the Red Sea where the, where the water stood still. They didn't move. The, the wind stood still, and the only thing that was happening was fire behind them. Jesus calls fire to stand still where nothing could come across it. God himself calls, come on now, the waters of the Red Sea to part upward. Come on now. Uh, they didn't part down like this. Uh, they went up. Come on now. Uh, the waters went like this. So that meant that they were walking through a wall of still water. Come on now. Where were the fish? All of the living creatures that were in the water, where were they? Come on now. They walked on dry ground. Come on now. Uh, it wasn't wet. It wasn't muddy. They walked across the water. Come on now. Their wagons, their wheels didn't. Have y'all ever seen one of the westerns? You always know when they cross the water, somebody's wagon is going to get stuck. Somebody's wheel is going to get stuck in the mud, and now we got to dig it out. No, when we look at God himself, when he's bringing you through and out of a storm, he doesn't want you to get stuck. He wants you to ride and walk through with the peace of God. He wants you to walk through with the assurance of God that nothing is going to fall on you. Come on now. Uh, that nothing is going to tumble over. That nothing is going to be left behind. Come on now. All I need you to do is just get in the boat. Come on now. All I need you to do is just have a boat available to take me and you and your family, your dream, your purpose, your call. Come on now to the other side. I want to get to the other side, but I'm not the driver. Come on now. I want to get to the other side. I'm only the captain of the ship. Come on now. I'm only the intercessor of the ship. I just need us to get to the other side, but I need you to drive me. Come on now. I need you to take command of the ship that I'm in. Come on now. I need you to take ownership. I need you to have authority enough to drive me and you across to the other side in the middle of a storm. Come on now. In the middle of a storm. Come on now. Think about it. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, come on. And they were afraid so much to the point that they themselves asked, who in the world is this? Who is this? I am the Lord your God. usually do that and I begin because I said wait what did you say and I begin to look at the text like you said and 
and it says there arose a great storm. So when we are in our minds, the storms of life that begin to beat on us and begin to hit on us and begin to make us, they're so loud, we can't think straight. We don't know whether we're going or coming. We can't figure out what the next thing is because the storms are so loud. loud. But, you know, we've been taught as uh, Christians, you can get it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You know, you're, you're not a baby Christian anymore, so you need to be able to do this on your own. But the storms were so loud, and for some of us, the storms of life are so loud that we can't even begin to hear anything but the storm, and that is how fear arises in us. But you said something. You said, I would rather scream and cry aloud for help. I would rather go to my pastor and scream for help than to sit and die. And I present to us all, that is how the enemy has been able to creep in. And we have so many mental issues. We have so many problems with Christ, with the word, because Pastor Bishop said, faith comes by hearing. When all I hear is the raging storm, That's how fear comes in. I can't even begin to hear myself repeat the word of God. I can't even begin to hear the Lord saying, peace, hush to the wind. Yes. But all I hear is the storm. And Bishop said, you better cry aloud. You better cry aloud. We have to become more conscious in this lifestyle. We have to be able to cry aloud and say, no, I I need help. Because this storm was so great. This storm, I need help. Throw me a lifesaver. Throw me a lifesaver because maybe my arms are so tired of trying to swim through the storm and hold on that I need somebody to throw me a lifesaver. Wow. So cry aloud. We were not meant to be alone. We were not meant to go through alone. You heard Bishop say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you need to cry aloud. Cry aloud. Bishop said, I, I don't, I'll take the rebuke. Listen, I will take the rebuke. I will take the laugh. You can laugh at me. You can do whatever you want because my main goal is to overcome. And I really don't care what anybody else is doing because I'm focused on my goal of overcoming. And whatever I need in that moment to overcome, I'll 
don't care what nobody. So I just heard you say that portion, and I know we don't always bring that portion up. But in 2022, when we're dealing with so many mental issues, and we're dealing with so many mental issues in, in the world and in the church, and we are at home dealing with mental issues and the storms of life are raging. And we're sitting there saying, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not, I know I should be able to get through this. I know, I know, I know, I, I know, I know, I know. I'm not going to say anything. But you cannot hear. Cry aloud. Cry aloud. As you lift your hands, come on, I want you to lift your hands. I'm going to remain seated here, but I want you to stand. I want you to do something for me when, when we look at verse, and, and I really want to teach you. And I'll do this on next week. If Pastor Ecker, can you remind me to bring my study Bible so that I can show you the Bibles that I study out of so that you can go get the ones and learn to study this? Because it's it's very crucial that you understand. In verse 40, he says to them, why are you afraid? Yelioi. That's that Greek word. Why do you lack confidence? Not, not, see he didn't, see he didn't speak to the fear. He didn't, he didn't speak to their fear. He spoke to their lack of confidence. See, see the enemy, see the enemy will always speak to your fear. The fear that causes you to run away. God will always speak to you to the fear that causes you to run to him. Why are you fearful in your confidence? Why are you so fearful? It was, it's just like when you see an athlete. And many of us, we, we compare LeBron James to the great Michael Jordan. He don't have a killer instinct. Michael Jordan understood that with two minutes left in the game, I got all the confidence in the world that when I throw this up, it's going in. I don't care what you say. I, I ain't afraid of nothing. But because we look at LeBron and he passes the ball, many of us speak to why did he lack the confidence to not shoot the ball? <laughs> the enemy would say, Man, don't shoot the ball because you know if you shoot the ball, it's not going to go in. LeBron James' mindset is, I got so much confidence in my teammate that's in the boat with me, he's going to make the shot. Michael Jordan says, I got so much confidence. <laughs> I got so much confidence in myself that I'm going to do it myself. That's what Jesus wants you and I to have. That confidence that says, when nobody else going to pray, I'm going to pray myself through this. When nobody else is going to come to my rescue, I'm going to sit right here in this boat with me and you, and we're going to make it through this storm. I know I got my team with me, but sometimes in moments, somebody has to lead the team. Somebody has to step out and knock fear right down. But, but then when you look at that word faith in the Greek, 
When you look at that word faith, here the word faith here is piston. It's derived from the Greek word pistis. It's meaning what? Uh, the state of being someone in whom confidence can be placed in. Huh. Why do you not have faith enough in me? Why didn't you have faith in me to bring you through the storm? See, this word faith, look at it, look at it. It's a different meaning here. Come on now. Why didn't you, why do you have the lack of confidence and the lack of faith in me? But I'm in the same boat with you. And you know that I cannot die. The word of God said, I won't die before my time. <laughs> that's why you got to know the word. That, that, that's why you got to know what the word of God says. You can't die before your time. Oh, come on, come on. Look at it, look at it, look at it. Graves, what are you saying? Uh, he won't let you die before your time. He, he won't let you die when it's not your turn. Not when you're in the boat with him. Not when you're in the same storm with him. Not when he said, let us go to the other side. And you decided that you were going to drive him to the other side. Your faith, your trust, and your availability is what will get you to the other side. Come on, let's hear the word of the Lord today. Be strong. And you were speaking about water like in my, in my mind I immediately went to where the Bible always relates about storms and water and then I started looking in my phone and doing a little research there the water is mentioned 722 times in the Bible and then I was like okay so what does water really mean because sometimes we're afraid of the water in the storm but also water is utilized it's a it's it's powerful because it purifies. It's deliverance. It destroys the enemy. It's cleansing and sanctifying. So a lot of times we're afraid of the storm because it's in a form of some type of water in the, in the sense where what we're learning today. But it's also God placing us in the middle of the storm to cleanse us and sanctify us. Sometimes we're afraid of that. So sometimes what we fear is what's going to help us deliver us, sanctify us, and fill us with the power that we need. Because we can't cross over to the other side, right? Without it. My God. Come on, lift your hands. Have you ever been in a storm? And you tried to get out of your car to make it into the building. And you were saying, how can I run across the street and not get wet? It's impossible. Can I say this? You're going to get wet. 
your boat is going to take on some water. Whether it becomes a little puddle, you're going to get wet. And I believe that we're in a moment where the Holy Ghost wants to allow the drenching of the power of God sanctify, to consecrate, to purify us, but at the same time. Have you ever got soaking wet from rain? It adds an extra weight to your clothes. Come on now. So sometimes storms are good because they add weight to your availability. They add weight to your trust. They add the weight of faith that is needed to anchor you down because when you're soaking wet, you can't run fast. When you're running in a rainstorm, you can't move as quick. Everything becomes stiff. But because Jesus is on the inside, it keeps me agile and responsive and active to where fear can never incapacitate me to the point where my faith is inactive. My trust is always in a place where I'm leaning and my understanding leans towards God. It leans towards the Holy Spirit. It, it's leaning towards Jesus. So Father, we thank you that we will avail ourselves to be available to your command. Available to what you've called us to do. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. You are our strength, our Redeemer. You didn't have a chance to experience our giving moment today. As I explained to you today, we won't argue, we won't debate, we won't negotiate. We simply believe that your giving is based upon how you honor and how we honor and love God. We want you to do that today. Be faithful in your tithe. Be faithful in your offering. Faithful in your seed. And I say it to you today. The only way that we remain open, the only way that we remain a church is that you honor God in your giving so that we're able to do what God has commanded us to do. We love you. We appreciate you. Many would say, well, well, Bishop, why would, you, why would you say that? The only way a church stays open is that people give to the church. Can I just be honest? The only way that we can pay our bills is that you give to the church. And the enemy wants me to be afraid to ask you that because many people will say the church is always asking for money. But the club you go to ask you to pay $10 for the shots that you pay. And you never tell them that it costs you too much. All the bottles of liquor that we pay for. All the, all the, all the stuff that we pay for. The new edition concerts that y'all spent four and $500 for a seat. And you can't call them to pray for you. <laughs> the season tickets that y'all have already bought. 
but it's wrong for the church to ask you. But the Browns put out a, a filler for you to buy your season tickets. Netflix runs a promotion for you to get a the discount. Come on now, I'm going to stand up on this one. Come on now, Jesus is standing up rebuking the wind in your life. And I want to cause the wind to hush up in your life. Don't you question me about asking you to give to the kingdom of God when God woke you up this morning, when God healed your body, when God answered your prayer, when the preacher came and responded to your need, but now you question that the tithe is under the law, the devil be rebuked in your life, the devil be rebuked in your house, the devil be rebuked all over your life because tithing and giving to God in the body of Christ, in the word of God, has never been an issue. It's only been an issue with people who have a problem with honoring God. Now hush to the wind in your life. Come on, Rev, stay with me. Come on now. The grocery store sends you out coupons so that you can use your money the right way. Come on now. Your job allows you to give in the 401k so that you can have a retirement. Come on now. Uh, your, your car note, they, they let you give it on a payment system. But we question giving in the church? Lift your hands. See, the enemy wants us to be afraid to ask you for it. The only way that we can stay open the only way that we can be in this building is that we need for you to give and to honor the place where you said that God sent you to. Come on. Come on, stay with me. Come on, baby, stay with me. Come on, y'all, stay with me. Come on, I feel the enemy tugging. Come on, stay. The people need to hear this. Come on now. The people, the enemy wants us to argue about our honor with God. And he wants us to take what a man said and divide the body of Christ. Come on now, come on, come on now. Your giving is not because somebody beating you over the head. Because you gave thousands of dollars to something else and nobody beat you over the head. Them Louboutins that you're walking around in, Neiman Marcus didn't beat you over the head. Them Prada boots, them Air Jordans that you're walking around in, young man. He, he didn't come and arrest you and tell you to give him $250 every time he releases a new shoe. But you question God when he says, can you give a $22 seed? We question God when he says the tenth. But we give more than a tenth when we live our lives. You give more than an offering when you go and spend all that you have. And many would say, oh, the preacher is mad today. No, my job is to be the chief defender in this house. And the chief defender looses and binds the scripture so that you won't lack faith in God. When you won't give, it says that you lack faith and confidence that God is going to give it back to you. Carlos, can you give me $20, man? Los, who got $20? You got $100. Give me $100. Give me $100. I'm going to show you how this works. Give me $100. Bring it, put it in my hand. 
I'm ready to show you what faith does. Give me $100, man. Thank you. This is what God does. Puts it in his pocket. He takes a rest. And then he breathes on what you just gave him. Now, many of us would say, he put it in his pocket. Lord, this is what I'm in need of. Turns around and he gives it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will men give back into your bosom? Come get this hundred dollars. No, no, no. See, see, that's see, that's what we do. Come get this hundred dollars because I just breathed on it. I'm breathing it back into your life. See, see, y'all missed it. See, this is what God does. When you give into your church and you give into your house, God will breathe back onto you what you gave. And sometimes it might not be more than what you gave. It might be the exact amount. I breathe that this will become 100,000. I breathe that this will become no limit of measure of return. That contracts on top of contracts will come into your hand. That money will never be an issue. That the only issue that you'll have is that you're going to have to find a place where you can hold it all. Oh, y'all ain't here. See, y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. That money won't be an issue. You're going to have to find how many banks I need to invest into. How many tax write-offs can I do throughout the year? Because I got too much money. I gave $100, but then God breathed on it. And now I'm sitting at a million. Now I'm sitting at 10 million. Now I'm sitting at 20 million. Because I had faith enough. I had the confidence enough to trust somebody to say give and it'll be given back to you good measure pressed down shaken together running over that's what God does now let me bring it home to you your money rebuilt where you going to watch the calves your money they took your money and turned it around and put brand new seats, put glass all outside the building. Your tax dollars, come on now, stay with me. When you go down to the Browns, your tax dollars. When you show up this season, something new is going to be there. Why? Because they love investing when people give because they want you to keep coming back, keep coming back. But the enemy wants you to come to a raggedy church where you don't see nothing and where they always have to beg and where they always feel like they're desperate. But when you can give into the house that feeds you, the house where God lives, he will honor that house and from that house, your house will never lack. Immediately, immediately, contracts, calls, churches, corporations, <laughs> immediately, 
the Lord said whatever contracts you want, and I know one of them that we talked about, but whatever ones that you want, in Jesus' name, be it. We now give. That was no trick. That's what God does. And he does it just that quick. Because of your response. Because of your faith. The moment that you respond, he's already prepared on how he's going to give it back to you. But your response means everything. I love you. I appreciate you. Father, in Jesus' name, bless us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. I love you. I love you. Amen. Amen.